Hi everyone, welcome folks. We're back with the 34th episode of the Startup Blender podcast. My name is Ucha and our guest today is Julia from the US. She is an SEO and social media marketing freelancer who has been living as a digital nomad for the past eight years. She has lived in Argentina, Mexico, Colombia and spent extended periods of time in the Philippines. In this episode, we talked about her international life as a digital nomad and she gave some good tips to everyone who wants to become a freelancer and start completely new life as a location independent professional. Enjoy! Welcome everybody to the Startup Blender, the podcast about startup life and some other stuff. Hello, Julia. Welcome to the show and thank you very much for being here. Let's dive right in. Uh, could you tell us more about yourself? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to talk about the digital nomad lifestyle and hopefully inspire others to work and travel the world. I have been a digital nomad for the last eight years and I have lived in Mexico, Guatemala, Colombia, and Argentina. I've also spent extended periods of time in the Philippines and I'm currently based in Barcelona. And I've been able to do all of this because I work as a freelancer in SEO and social media marketing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to hear more about it. Uh, all right, but uh, before we talk about your journey as a digital nomad, let's let's start with uh, how the whole story started. Like, how did you begin your di- journey as a digital nomad? Yeah, so about nine years ago, I was working at an internship in an office, and I uh, noticed that the marketing people got to work from home. And since I wasn't really a big fan of the office life even then, um, when the position for the social media marketing intern opened up, I begged for it and they didn't want to give it to me because that wasn't my educational background. I had actually studied international relations, uh, but thankfully no one else at the company wanted it. So um, I got the position and then maybe about a month or two later, my contract ended. So I was able to renegotiate with them to be able to work from home and being able to work from home was just like a game changer for me. I was much more uh, able to focus on my work and I was able to completely redesign their social media marketing strategy and significantly increase their traffic and engagement. So I just thought to myself, like, this is what I want to do. I want to work from home. At the time, I had never heard of digital nomads. There wasn't as many resources then as there are now. And at the time, I was just thinking maybe I'd be able to work somewhere else in California, which is where I'm from originally. Um, And then once that contract ended, I started looking for remote work and I found a position at a nonprofit that had um, international members. So they were very used to communicating with people throughout all time zones. And I remember the moment that I was offered the job and I very timidly like asked my boss, like, so where can I go? (laughs) And he immediately knew what I was asking. And he was just like, oh, you want to go international? Go for it. Uh, And so about a week later, I had a ticket booked to the Philippines. Wow, that's amazing. And what was your first uh, reaction, like going to Philippines, not as a tourist, but as a digital nomad? And at that time, it was such a exclusive thing to do right not many people were doing it so what was your first uh, impressions of the experience 
Well, um, I had been to the Philippines before. My father retired there maybe 15 years ago now. So I kind of knew what to expect being able to live there. Um, but being there as a digital nomad was definitely a little bit different experience because I had to balance work with also having fun, <laughs> which isn't always easy as a digital nomad. <laughs> nice. But were there any kind of... Uh... Like right now we have the digital nomads right now have the luxury of having co-working spaces and the meetups and the co-living spaces. Were there mm -hmm. anything like that back then? Was the scene active or? Not really. Um, the more I started, because I, I started being a digital nomad about eight years ago and the Philippines even now doesn't have a huge community there. Um, but there were co-working spaces. Um, and so I was over time able to connect with other digital nomads. Um, but for example, co-living is a much more uh, new phenomenon in my opinion. True, yeah, yeah, true. I, I just I just found out co-living spaces actually too. So yeah. It's super new. Yeah. All right, but uh, in the beginning you mentioned that you have lived in many different places as a digital nomad so my question is what have been the most memorable experiences from this lifestyle for you, if you can uh well there's quite a few um being able to live and work anywhere in the world meant that i was able to go to guatemala which is where my father is originally from and i had the time to claim my citizenship um, I've also been able to go on some really extraordinary trips like scuba diving in the Galapagos and trekking in Patagonia. Um, and also just being able to live like this lifestyle means I can live in countries where the US dollar is worth more, which means that I get to work part time and having that free time means that I can pursue, you know, different hobbies like improving my Spanish and launching a digital nomad lifestyle blog and being able to go scuba diving on the weekends. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a very, uh, very interesting thing, actually, launching a digital nomad blog. So what is it about? Yeah, so um, I have a blog and it covers uh, different aspects of the digital nomad lifestyle. Like there's some travel content, there's some like entrepreneurship content. Um, there's also uh, articles about like learning another language. Um, and so it's it's meant to help people um, be able to, to live this lifestyle and to understand what to expect. Great. Yeah, yeah. I think managing expectations is what for me personally is managing expectations uh, one of the uh, biggest challenges. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, I'm sure you have uh, uh, thought about it as a lot, both as a creator and as a nomad. So what what do you what would you say? What are your tips to maintain good work life balance when you are a digital nomad? I would say that as a digital nomad, you have to be very self disciplined. Uh, the community is very social, and it seems like there's always a meetup or a birthday or someone's goodbye party, or they're going on a day trip, some like really cool place. Um, but at the end of the day, in order to maintain this lifestyle, you do actually have to work. Um, and, and every single person has to understand like how they work. Um, so for example, I prefer to work Monday through Thursday since that's when most other people are working and it's easier for communication. 
But for example, if there's something that I really want to do on a Tuesday, then I have to make up the work on a Friday. So understanding your schedule is really important. Um, and also understanding how to maximize your own pro uh, productivity. Like some people are night owls, others are better in the morning. Some people prefer to work from home. Others find that too distracting and they want like a cafe or a co-working space. So um, you really have to be aware of your work patterns and making time for work rather just than just always having um, a lot of fun. Because I mean, obviously we want to have fun, but <laughs> you know, if you, if you're not working, then you're no longer a digital nomad. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you hundred uh, percent. I think, yeah, understanding yourself, as you said, is like number one thing when you're going into this. All right. Uh, you as a, a person that has been, uh, that has tried to uh, work from many different places. What would you say? I just came up with this question. How do you personally choose your next destination? Let's say, you are somewhere, I don't know, Germany, and you're like, all right, my time in Germany is over. Let's go somewhere else. How, what's the thought process of choosing the next destination? Um, so everyone has their own uh, personal different factors and what they're looking for. As a generalization, I would say, um, first of all, you need a place with good internet connection. Um, Sometimes when I say that, people look at me like I'm, I'm kind of crazy, but because they don't realize that not everywhere in the world has good internet, um, especially like in poorer countries, for example, uh, the internet tends to only be good in major cities. Whereas if you're in Europe, you can live in a small town if you so choose, because or maybe a more rural place, because even there, the internet's pretty good. So that's like the number one factor, right? Um, but for me, I also look for places where there's like a high quality of life. So, you know, it's, it's very walkable or they have good public transportation. I prefer to be in warmer climates. Um, although sometimes maybe I'll do trips to go like skiing or something like that in a colder climate. Uh, but in general, I taste the sun and I know a lot of other nomads do the same thing. I prefer places that are very, that, you know, have a lot of activities, a lot of things to do um, that are very like cultural, they have good food. Um, and also from another personal level is like, I like to be able to improve my Spanish. So I tend to live in countries that are Spanish speaking. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, I think the, that's the uh, kind of similar thought process that I had in mind too. Um, all right. Uh, now let's move on to well, something that many, many people are interested in. Uh, what are the challenges for you to leave the location independent lifestyle? Like what are the main things that you need to take care of? Yeah, I, uh, I would say that being a digital nomad is specifically very hard on relationships, whether it's family, friends or romantic interests. Um, I see my family maybe once a year. I have a bunch of nephews who are quite young and they have grown up without knowing me very well. Um, in terms of friendships, you know, you, you get to be really close with people and then you move on from a destination and you don't know when you'll see them again, if ever. Uh, and then in terms of romance, you know, at some point you're gonna have to be long distance, especially if you're from different countries. Uh, this lifestyle is also, it, it's very like 
it's stressful actually like and people think of stress as happening only when like bad things are going on but stress is actually when anything new happens so you know if you're in new countries all the time it, it's very stressful because you have to find a place to live you need to figure out where to buy groceries you need to figure out how to use public transportation you might not speak the language there could be customs that are rude to you or uncomfortable for you and like that can be a lot to take in and I see a lot of people burn out, especially if they're traveling quite fast, um, because it's also hard to balance like work and travel, you know, it's like you can't always, you know, go trucking on the weekends and then expect to go back to work feeling really refreshed. Um, and then from a freelancer perspective, you don't always have steady work, you know, maybe one day you're working a lot and then the next day you have nothing. Um, right now there's a recession and contract workers are the first to be let go. Um, another example of unstable work is that I had a friend, a lot of friends who um, they, they teach English classes online to Chinese uh, students. And last year, the Chinese government overnight just decided that they wanted to protect their own labor force and banned foreign tutoring websites. So like, I mean, they had absolutely no warning and suddenly they didn't have work. And so that can be, you know, a, a big challenge for a freelancer. True, yeah, I, I actually agree with all three points that you mentioned. But uh, I think first point is the most interesting one about relationships, whether it's uh, friendship, family, rom uh, romantic relationships. Have you ever had this uh, uh, time when, uh, for example, you live in a certain place, you build some friendships, you go on meetups, whatever. And then after that, you leave the place, but then you still maintain the contact with these people. And then you do reunions in some other places. Oh yeah, all the time. Like right now yeah. in Barcelona, like <laughs> I have so many friends that I've made in other places. Um, um, my roommate actually, we had met well, I was back when I was a backpacker, but we had met 10 years ago in New Zealand. Uh -huh. um, and I, I have come to Barcelona several times since then. So we've seen each other several times in Barcelona, but also when I was a digital nomad in Argentina, like she's originally from Argentina. So we also met up there. Um, right now I have like, right now I have two friends from when I lived in Playa del Carmen that are living here right now. Uh, I have two more friends that are coming this weekend. Um, and, and there are other people that I, I've met from when I was living in Guatemala and when I was living in Argentina that are like also here right now. So uh, you do see these people again, especially when they have that like kind of travel instinct. And I do find that digital nomads tend to go to very similar locations. Um, and so you do end up seeing each other in different places. Wow, yeah, that's that's very exciting, actually. Uh, yeah. To be honest, as a nomad, I never had that experience that I met a person in a, in a certain country and then accidentally we met in another country. But uh, I guess that that challenge or uh, lifestyle is very relatable for international students yeah. and Erasmus students, especially when they do these exchanges for one semester, they build these relationships and then they go back to their home countries. What I tend to do myself uh, is that I always try to visit them, do like a, a reunions with them. So yeah, that's very, very relatable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, now let's move on to uh, your uh, 
your professional and digital nomad life. Firstly, tell us about Barcelona. How does your international life in Barcelona look like? Well, so far I've only been here for a month, which mm -hmm. sounds like a lot from a tourist perspective, but I spend the week working. <laughs> and so um, I kind of just feel like I've gotten settled in. You know, I've, I've, I've unpacked, I know, you know, my favorite places to buy groceries. I've, I've got a gym membership um, and, and uh, I've been checking out a bunch of different co-working spaces and going to meetups and, and making new friends. Um, since I've been here, there have been several local festivals, like it was like uh, Saint-Jean Day and there was Pride. So that was really fun. Um, I've been eating a lot of tapas and paella and uh, mostly just like spending time at the beach. So um, now that I sort of feel settled in, I'm kind of hoping that in the coming month, um, I'll be able to do more like day and weekend trips to the surrounding areas. Like uh, there's like the coast of Brava, which I'm really interested in getting to know. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask about, uh, yeah, uh, about the digital nomad uh, uh, community in Barcelona. Is it vibrant or is it rather like slow? So um, one thing I've kind of noticed is that digital nomad communities tend to be stronger in smaller cities. And I think that's just because when you're in a big city, it's easier to diverge off into different directions. And so that's something that I've noticed with Barcelona, like there is a digital nomad community here. Um, and there are like meetups and, um, and different like, uh, like entrepreneurial dinners and that kind of thing. But it's not as cohesive as say like Playa del Carmen, where it's like, a huge chunk of the population are digital nomads. So they get together all the time and they do everything together. And there's like, you know, several meetups a week. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like in Barcelona, I've also just met like a lot of expats or a lot of students because um, there's also really big communities for that as well. True, yeah, I can totally relate to that because uh in Lisbon, right, right mm, near Barcelona, yeah. there is such a huge digital nomad communities and they do uh, digital nomad meetups every Thursday. And I would show up to those meetups on Thursdays and there would be everybody, locals, international students, expats, digital nomads. <laughs> I mean, it was so huge and it makes it more diverse and more interesting to go on these kinds of meetups actually. Yeah. Um, all right, but now let's move on to uh, your professional life. Yeah, uh, as a S SEO and social media marketing uh, specialist. So uh, yeah, mm, tell us about your work life. Like what kind of com companies do you work with? Yeah, so um, I'm a US citizen. So I find that I typically work for US companies, although not always. I've also worked for companies in Australia and the UK. Um, my last two freelancing gigs, like they liked me so much that they ended up hiring me in house. And that's actually something that I prefer because then I have more stable work. I don't like to constantly work for short-term projects. And plus I help, I feel like it helps me focus more on what their message is. Um, I also tend to work for smaller companies. Um, I'm oftentimes the only person on their marketing teams, so I have to be very creative and resourceful about solving problems and organizing workflows. Um, but I would say 
I mean, it's, it's pretty typical in the sense that, you know, I work Monday through Thursday. Um, in many ways, I can kind of, I have a lot of flexibility with my schedule, um, but I am working. And I think that's something that like people have this, uh, outsiders have this perception of me that I'm always on vacation. And I'm like, yes, I do a lot of amazing things, but I do work. <laughs> True, yeah. Which brings yeah. me to the next question. How does your job as a freelancer maintain you uh, maintain your uh, digital nomad lifestyle? Yeah, so in the US, there's basically like two kinds of contracts. And with the W-2, you get like certain benefits like health insurance um, and like a, a retirement account. But if you're abroad and something happens to you, like that's a huge problem for the company because of insurance reasons. So as a freelancer, you have a 1099 contract, which means that you don't get any benefits. You have to kind of like uh, get private health insurance um, and set up like your own like self-employed um, retirement account. Um, but it also, that is what allows you to live and work abroad. So oftentimes that's why you see uh, freelancers as digital nomads, because we have that flexibility. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, does it also assist you with the visa processes when you go to certain countries when you need, where you need new visa? Yeah, um, right now, um, a lot, there's a lot of governments that are uh, releasing or adopting uh, digital nomad visas, but it's still quite a new thing. So um, I, I think, for example, like ones that officially have them are like Estonia or uh, Costa Rica just officially adopted theirs. So um, that helps with with visas but otherwise what you have to do is you have to um either get like a retirement visa which isn't technically like legal for us because we are still working or you have to leave the country renew your visa when you come back but that's also a bit problematic because um that's also technically uh, not legal to be like working on a tourist visa. And if you keep doing that for a long time, immigration officers start to get mad at you. True, yeah. I, yeah. I, was, in, I, I was in Croatia last year uh, as a nomad and I saw so many US citizens just mm -hmm. because uh, Croatia is not a Schengen area and mm. US citizens can spend 90 days in Schengen area. And it's right next to Schengen. So mm -hmm. what they would do was they would just spend 90 days in Schengen and come to Croatia until uh -huh. the end of the year and then go back to Schengen, which is, I yeah. mean, I was mind blown. Yeah, <laughs> it gets complicated. <laughs> yeah. But did yeah. you have uh, like, uh, is experience generally for you rather smooth with this uh, legal processes or you, you have to like hustle and stuff? Um, yeah, so uh, I would do something similar in Argentina, like I would go um, to Uruguay for like a day and then come back. Uh, but I was only there for about a year. So they, they weren't giving me a lot of problems, but I knew people who had been there for like five years. Mm -hmm. And uh, immigration was like getting mad at them and like threatening to take away their passport, which is illegal. Um, like technically what they're doing is not like technically leaving and coming back is legal, but then it's not what uh, governments like because like you're you're living there, you're a resident and you're not paying taxes. 
and you're, you're even though you're not taking jobs away from locals you are still working so it's like the 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 digital nomad like phenomenon like governments haven't kept up with it so there's no way to really regulate it and um i i foresee like having digital nomad visas to like facilitate facilitate that process um and make it legal for us to live like longer in different countries true yeah hopefully that process will change and i mean governments get so many advantages and countries get so many advantages from having nomad communities that they should definitely do it yeah um okay uh now let's move on to more like broader topic um for you as a as a as a freelancer um and and also uh you have a blog, a creator. Uh, what are the ways for freelancers, in your opinion, to scale their businesses and build more passive income sources so they can rely on that in the future? Yeah. Um, so if you're just starting out and don't have any experience um, in, in like, as, a, as a freelancer, then I would suggest first like getting an internship. Um, you can also start working on your own like social media platforms. I feel like you know, whether like if you're like a, a web developer, you know, you could get on GitHub, you know, if you're a designer, you could be on Behance. Um, if you're, you know, you know, there's so many different platforms that you could go on and you can show off your work. Um, if you want to write, I suggest going on Medium. Uh, TikTok right now is a very popular platform. But like, no matter what kind of field you're in, I highly suggest being on LinkedIn because it's a way of, of connecting and networking. And in fact, we got connected through LinkedIn. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities to be had there. Um, and then I would, what I would suggest is like when you're starting out is to first take on short-term projects. And then after each project, ask for a recommendation. And that way you're building up a lot of positive reviews and you can charge each client more money until you've gotten to a point where you're like, you have a lot of work or you're happy with the amount of money that you're making. Um, And then from there, if you wanna scale up, what I would say is like, you can either work in house for a company and therefore have very stable work, or you can create your own agency and hire employees to do the work for you. When it comes to passive income, which I recommend because, you know, being a freelancer is not very stable work. Um, you could, you know, create a course, you could sell stock photos, you could write an ebook, create an app, uh, do affiliate marketing. If you have a blog, you could sell your artwork on Etsy. Like there's a lot of different ways you can take it. It does take some time to invest in this. Like you won't start seeing money at least for like a few, uh, months, um, but once you have an, a passive income stream set up, then that's something that you can rely on if for some reason you're not finding a good amount of freelancing work. True. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something that is hard to set up, but uh, once, you, once, you, once you figure it out, I think mm-hmm. that's where you are, you know, that's when it's like jackpot, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, now let's move on back to your digital nomad life. So, uh, what are the things that you love and hate about living in Barcelona? Well, Barcelona is a very beautiful city, and there's so much to do here. And you know, there's a little bit of everything for everyone. Like you have the mountains, you have the beach. Nightlife is amazing. 
but there's also lots of hiking trails. It's a very bike friendly city. It's very international. There's good food, there's history, there's shopping. There's really like so much to do and it's very, very fun. Um, but I would say the downside is um, housing, for example. There's a lot of people that want to be here, especially during the summer. So prices really skyrocket. You have to plan really well in advance. Um, it's also very touristy and very crowded. You know, you go to the beaches and they're crowded. You want to go see the Sagrada Familia and it's just crowded. There's so many people. And, um, and I think there's actually been some backlash from the locals um, because they're kind of getting displaced uh, by all these tourists. So those are some downsides. Absolutely, yeah. I was, uh, I spent like, uh, I think up to five months in Barcelona in 2018. And even then it was a huge problem. So I can imagine with all yeah. this digital nomad hype now what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, nice. And finally, I'd like to ask you a question that we ask to everybody. Uh, so. Uh, what would be your advice to everybody that wants to start their journey as a digital nomad and become uh, a, a social media marketing specialist or let's say content creator in that matter? Um, mm -hmm. What would be your advice for these people to start and yeah, do it? Yeah, um, I would say, first of all, like um, save up some money in case of a rainy day because probably as a freelancer, that's going to happen at some point. Um, and I would say first, you should find a job that allows you to go remote because I've also known people who decided to travel and were like, I'm going to find a job, you know, while I'm traveling the world. And sometimes that does happen, but I think um, you get a lot more distracted. You're kind of like, oh, like I'm in this cool place. I want to like see things and do things. I don't want to look for a job because looking for a job is like having a job. <laughs> um, so I would suggest like actually having a job before you like get out there. Um, and if you're someone that's maybe like a bit nervous um, about uh, taking this like first step, um, there are some companies that kind of set up everything for you so that when you arrive, you already have housing, you already have a SIM card, you know, um, you're, and you're already connected to a community of other people who are doing the same thing. Or you could go to a place where um, there is a very strong digital nomad community. And that way it's just very easy to, um, to adapt to this kind of lifestyle. And, um, and you start connecting with other nomads, which will help you like figure out things along the way. I think sometimes people get a little bit like caught up in like, well, what about this and what about that? And it's like, you know what, just get started. Like all you really need is a job. You need a little bit saved up, but like, you know, just go for it. Um, it's a lot easier than you think. Um, and once you start meeting other nomads, you just feel like very inspired and, uh, and, and all these like different opportunities will come your way. True, yeah, yeah. I guess there are a lot of nomads that can relate to that. So thank you very much. I think it was very interesting. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, thanks uh, for finding time for us. And yeah, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Follow us on your favorite social media and check out the next episode. Ta-da!